Welcome to podcast number two, the podcast for people who recognize that time is limited and want to learn how to understand and master their time in order to use their time better. Uh, we're going to be covering a few different segments. Number one is rapid fire, where we ask each other different questions. Number two, we're getting into stoicism. Number three, we're getting into some time tips on how you can better use your time. So some quick tips that you can take away and implement today. And then finally, we're going to finish with some quotes that we each like. And let us know down in the comments the, the segments that you like, and we'll do more of them. And the segments you don't like, we'll get rid of. So eventually, we come up with the best podcast in the world. So... Rapid fire, who went first last time? I can't remember. I think I need to ask you. Okay, go for it. Do you die before your spouse or before them? Or after them? <laughs> Good question. Before. <laughs> um, oh, I feel like before is the selfish thing to do, right? So mm -hmm. I would go after. You'd go after? Yeah. Really? So yeah. you'd watch them die? Yeah. Why? Because I wouldn't want them to watch me die. And you would rather you take the pain than them? Yeah. Would you rather save three of your closest family members or a thousand people you don't know? Well, that's a good question. Because I feel like we'd like to say a thousand, but I feel like people make that decision every day. Yeah. Right? How? Or at least like spending time with their family over saving right. thousands. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because there's like things that you could be doing that are going to save thousands of lives, yeah. but you're choosing not to do that. Very true. Almost like on a subconscious level that we don't even recognize. Mm -hmm. I mean, like... When you have a child and you're living in England, it's going to cost you £50,000 to make sure that child doesn't die. Mm -hmm. But if you donate £50 to certain children in certain places in the, exactly. in the world, yeah. they can genuinely, that's the difference between life or death. Exactly. So whilst most people would say that they would save a thousand people, they're not doing that with their actual actions. Exactly. So yeah, my ideal scenario is a thousand, but mm -hmm. I think probably the truth is... The three. The three. Shallow or deep? <laughs> what is it with you smooth <laughs> uh deep okay your turn okay um so uh, who's someone in modern times you think that will go down as one of the greats in history do you know Nassim Taleb no I think he's going to go down as one of the greats okay. I think he's going to be one of the modern philosophers um he's written books like anti-fragile which basically explains to you how you can make your character grow through difficulty okay and i've never heard of it yeah i mean even if you look on his any of his social media you can just tell it's crazy tweets people can link words that you've heard a billion times before but they link them in a certain way that just provokes insight right it's really weird okay like, you've seen all of these quotes before but you put them in a certain way you're like wow this person knows their stuff i feel like that about nasim taleb Really? Has yeah. he got a big follow? How comes I haven't heard of him? I don't know. I, he's not got a big following. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> so <laughs> that's see. your prediction? I think so. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll see. that's a good answer. All right. How do you relax? I read. I watch YouTube. I hang out with my girlfriend. I work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, work doesn't get me stressed. So yeah. I don't need to relax from work. Right, so, sure. I mean, if you looked at what I actually do, I relax by working mm -hmm. most of the time. That's quite interesting, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Is that because you don't have like a high stress? Are you, is it because it's not high stress or is it because you've created it in a way that it doesn't provoke stress? I think I've created it in a way that doesn't provoke stress and I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I like, yeah. I, I would, if I'm trying to relax, I wouldn't do like the most difficult task. Mm -hmm. I would just go in like the group and reply to comments and stuff, which is technically still work, 
still adding value to the business, but I enjoy it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, tell me a mischievous story from your school. <laughs> um, the one that comes to my mind is weird because it's not the most mischievous by far. Right. But it's just a, it's just a, an interesting story. So I joined in year nine, right before GCSEs, I switched to a different school. Right. And within the first week of being at that school, you know those jelly cubes? The yeah. cubes you use to make proper jelly. <laughs> I got one of those jelly cubes and we were throwing them around at each other. And we were in this chapel, it's this huge tall building, and I got loads of them and started throwing them up on the ceiling. <laughs> and the thing is, they're so sticky, they stick up there yeah, yeah. and they stay for ages. So I remember the teacher came in, everyone was like acting quietly, and then this one guy, his name is Dom, he goes, and he just looks up and the teacher goes, and also looks up and he saw it and he was like right you're all on chores until they come down no and we would have been on chores for six months because they were still there when i left that school like two and a half years later really yeah, it was insane <laughs> how sticky it was you, was it like a nice like painted like tapestry ceiling? no it wasn't it was just like a plain ceiling but it was like it goes up like that Fair. and it was just jelly <laughs> <laughs> what oh. color was it what flavor it was red strawberry jelly yeah yeah and it just got stuck up and then oh and then i remember at one point we managed to get a bit down and we made some guy eat it what jelly that had been on the ceiling for like three years wasn't your school the one that the, the guy who wrote lord of the flies was yeah. like the headmaster or something uh, yeah so lord of flies a book about loads of teenagers loads of young guys young boys that go to this island mm -hmm. and they just cause mayhem they bully each other there's like it's just absolute chaos in society and the author of the lord of the flies used to be a teacher at my school and my school's an all-boys school yeah so genuinely the whole book was based on what he saw happened at my school <laughs> i don't remember the chapter where they were throwing jennies at the scene <laughs> <laughs> Piggy throwing jelly. Piggy would just be munching. Yeah, Piggy would be eating them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, next section. Oh, yeah. The next section is stoicism. So the prompt is, is it truly possible to be to be affected? I suck at podcasts. <laughs> is it truly possible to not be affected by external circumstances? If, sure, if so, why should we move away from harm? I don't think it's that you suck at podcasts. I think you suck at reading. I <laughs> suck at both, to be honest. <laughs> you just suck at everything. Yeah. Okay, so is it truly possible? What do you think? No. No. I don't think so either. I think it's like the sage thing, where like that's the ideal, but everyone's always becoming that, if that makes sense. I agree. And I think that you can definitely reduce the amount of time it takes for you to react positively to a negative event. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, when you learn about stoicism, a negative event happens and your response is nothing. You don't even recognize the fact you can reframe this event to a positive event. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it again and again and again, it gets to the point where after a minute of being upset or angry, you can reframe your thoughts towards a positive thought. And then it gets to the point where it's like, it's almost instant, but there's still that reaction that you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I think that no person has unlimited discipline, has unlimited control over themselves. So over time, there's going to be something that you can't reframe your thoughts towards. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's exactly what I experienced when I was shot in the eye right. with a Nerf dart. Mm -hmm. So we were playing Nerf, um, you know, they're like, they're like toy guns basically for three-year-olds for three-year-olds um and we're all like <laughs> we're all like not messing around we're not three-year-olds <laughs> so we were running around and playing with those um and then i got shot in the eye and i couldn't see outside of my right eye and we had to like rush to the hospital in like a taxi mm -hmm. um and i just couldn't see anything 
Um, for a while. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly, like, something that someone said to me after that situation mm-hmm. is they said to me, um, you know, I think you, that you were really brave because the test of bravery is how fast you go from, like, you know, being anxious to mm-hmm. back to normal. Mm-hmm. And she said that, you know, the time that it, that it took you from going, like, from incredibly anxious to, like, accepting it and, and being back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, I was sat in the taxi on the way to the hospital being like, oh, I guess I've lost my right eye. And I'm thinking our plans, like, okay, how can I work with my, you know... I started devising a strategy where I could um, get depth by just going like this, you know, like my chickens do. <laughs> right. Um, and so I think it's definitely like you can never you can never not be affected by stuff. I think, um, but it's just about reducing the time mm-hmm. that you are so that you can start acting practically. Yeah. But luckily, I did you know get my vision back. Yeah, that is lucky. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, and I think that every human has a breaking point, like. We can react well to a certain event if it happens once, but every single person, no matter how mentally tough you are, you've got a breaking point. Mm-hmm. And if everything goes wrong repetitively in the worst possible way you can imagine for the next 80 years of your life, mm-hmm. there's going to be a point where you just give up. Mm-hmm. I, I, In theory, I don't like the sound of that, but I just think that's the way that, that humans are, are wired. But I think we should all be striving of never course. to be affected by stuff because yeah. that's practically useful. I think there's a bit of a theme here of, of pursuing things that are practically useful, but then knowing that logically it doesn't make sense, right? It's about, like, humans have this fantastic ability to believe two different things at the mm-hmm. same time. You're so and right. you can use that in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly what that's about. Yeah. And it even comes back to what you were saying about would you choose to save three people or a thousand people? Like, we probably know the right answers to save a thousand people. We know that in theory, mm-hmm. but in reality, there's a different case. Yeah, and exactly. that same, you know, separation between what's right in reality and what actually happens. Mm-hmm. We see that across all different places. Yeah. So one time tip for me, it's recognizing how much time and space in your mind thinking about food takes. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely insane. Three times a day, every single day for the rest of your life, you have to think, what am I going to eat? And if you don't come up with some kind of a system to do that, the amount of wasted time and wasted mental space that happens in your mind is just incalculable. Like, imagine waking up and every single morning you have to say, right, what am I going to have for breakfast? Do I have those ingredients right now? I've got to make it. Then I've got to wash up for lunch. What am I going to do for lunch? I'm going to do this. Okay, do I have that? Yes. Right, let me make it. Then I wash up. Oh, no, I don't have some things. Let me walk to the shop. That <laughs> yeah. takes like 20 minutes yeah. every time and then dinner the same again. I'm thinking of all the decision fatigue that's like... The decision fatigue. The whole for yeah. Everything. Yeah, literally. And people don't realise it because everyone, they think, oh, everyone has to think about food. Mm-hmm. But I guess the solution is just, first of all, come up with a plan. That's the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Decide what you're going to eat and when you're going to eat it at the start of the week, for the week. And if you like to have different meals, fine, plan that all in. Or eat the same thing every single day. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to ever ask yourself the question. That's actually exactly what I did. So when I was running the mm-hmm. startup, it would be the same ready meal every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to, I started off with like chicken and rice that I cook myself and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm spending an hour a week, uh, you know, an hour a week on Sundays cooking all this chicken. Mm-hmm. And so instead I just switched to ready meals and was spending three minutes a day waiting for the ready meal in the microwave. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even wait. I just put it in and go back to work and then come back, connect it, take it back to work and eat. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. 
Um, but I mean, so there are other options. Um, so I mean, you can hire people, of course, you can hire a chef. I mean, a lot of like, you know, people who can afford it mm. in, where it makes sense for them to start 100%. hiring people. That's definitely a great move to do. Mm-hmm. Like just ha- like outsource the thinking of nutrition, outsource the thinking of cooking mm-hmm. just to someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. have, have you thought about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you've got like a scale of how much you outsource it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling most people to outsource it to one point where you're doing the planning for the week and that takes a lot of cognitive burden off of yourself. Mm-hmm. The next step is to not even have to think about it once a week and to get a chef to do all of that thinking so that they can think about your nutrition and your calories and whether you're getting all this, the, the different vitamins and everything you need. And they are doing the cleaning up and the preparations. All you have to do is eat and you've got trust in them that everything you're consuming is benefiting you and your goals. That's like the ideal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. But then I guess we're ignoring the fact that some people actually really enjoy cooking. Very And true. some people really enjoy the process of, of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, fair play to them. I yeah. don't, I hate it. So <laughs> it's not for me, but yeah. I can understand why some people probably do just want to enjoy that. Yeah, 100%. And we should definitely not make the advice be for everyone because there's always exceptions terms and conditions apply right terms and conditions apply to literally everything that we ever say on this podcast <laughs> yeah take it with a pinch of salt and apply it to your own life exactly yeah. did you have a time tip uh i think focusing on the focusing on the time that you go to, to sleep is mm-hmm. just as important as the time you wake up. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so concerned with how do I get out of bed in the morning. It's the hardest thing in the world. 5 a.m. I want to wake up at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's almost more important to focus on getting to bed at the right time as well. Mm-hmm. And you should put, you should weight that just as heavily by creating the systems that get you out of bed in the morning. It should be creating systems that get you into bed in the evening as well. I think focus, like weighting that equally mm-hmm. is super important. Yeah, I'd even go as far to say you've got to weight that more heavily mm-hmm. than waking up. Yeah. Because like... If you're going to bed late, you don't even want to be waking up early. Yeah, you're only making it harder for yourself. It's not beneficial for you. Maybe for that day, if you can combat the tiredness, but in the long run, it's not going to be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Like the the most important thing is getting to sleep on time because then that decides when you can wake up and still feel refreshed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sleep is so important. It's possibly like one of the highest leverage things you can do is fixing your sleep. Which is insane. Yeah. Because nobody wants to sleep eight hours instead of seven or nine instead of eight. Yeah. But to think that that's actually the most high leverage activity, it's insane. Yeah, definitely. But I like the way that that happened. I like the way that, because <laughs> then I can feel refreshed every morning without feeling guilty. Yeah. yeah the fact yeah. that I've slept eight hours, 45. Definitely. Yeah. Nice. Quote from Andrew. There is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man. True nobility is being superior to your former self. Right. Do you have anything to say on that? No. <laughs> I mean, I agree with that. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think both of us have tended to develop the mindset that we're better than people. Right. And the reason for that is because maybe we've had more success than the average person at a young age. Mm-hmm. And that leads to us feeling like we're superior to other people that haven't had that same kind of a success or drive at this age. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's actually beneficial for us to constantly, well, I know it's beneficial for us to always try and not think like that Mm -hmm. and to be a learner and to be a a student at all points. Because you can't learn if you think that you know everything. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've constantly have to remind myself of. Like be be a student, don't be cocky or arrogant. <laughs> yeah, stay humble. 
exactly. Yeah. I think I, yeah, it's, it's again that thing, like, I agree with it in my head, but I probably aren't living that as much as I'd like to. Exactly, yeah. I think you're completely right. Like, it is, there are, like, a darker side to developing success. So, like, well, not, like, success, but, like, you know, doing well at a mm-hmm. young age yep. is that you start to look at people, your peers and stuff, and you kind of start to look down on them. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be the way that it is at I all. Know. Like, you should always be comparing yourself to your former self mm-hmm. rather than comparing yourself to others. Mm-hmm. But then why do you think that is? Like, that's kind of, like, we're just kind of accepting that, but what's the benefit of that, do you think? What's the benefit of that, or why should that be? Yeah, both. So I think the benefit of that is that, say that, say that you've got a scale between zero and 100 on goodness in life. Mm-hmm. Say that, at the moment, Jonathan is at 80 and Ben is at 20. Jonathan thinks that he's better than Ben. But if Jonathan over time is actually decreasing his betterness, he can go from an 80 to a 79 and still think that he's better from Ben, who's gone from a 20 to a 25. Mm -hmm. So, So Jonathan's decreased by one, Ben has increased by five. Yet Jonathan still thinks he's better than Ben. Mm -hmm. But what happens over time? Jonathan eventually ends up worse than Ben because Jonathan's not comparing himself to himself. Yeah. Because like over time, it matters your trajectory, not actually where you are. Right, I agree with that, and I I, I just want to say I, I completely agree with you. I'm just trying to play like devil's advocate yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Um, so I guess what you're saying is it's more important to focus on like the trajectory and where you're going. Mm-hmm. But then, so if Ben is doing like plus five mm-hmm. and the other guy is doing like plus two, mm-hmm. then maybe Ben should be saying I'm doing plus five, he's doing plus two, so I'm better than him. Right, I see what you're saying. Rather than focusing on the like, the absolute that it is at the moment. Yeah. Well, then perhaps the the benefit is that. If you're comparing yourself to other people, then you're never going to be happy with where you are because there's always someone who's in a better position than you. Wait, say that again? If you're comparing yourself to yourself instead of comparing yourself to other people, you're going to be happy because if you compare yourself to other people, there's always someone who's in a better position than where you are now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. And also, by not thinking that you're better than other people, it's easier to learn Mm -hmm. because a student learns better than somebody who thinks that they're not a student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with all of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really interesting because it's one of those things that you really have to draw into your mind and you have to like consciously focus on. Mm-hmm. I don't know, was there a point where that, I know this might be, get, be getting a bit personal, but was there a point for you where you kind of realised that you were kind of looking down on people or whatever and you're like, right, I need to fix this? Yeah. Um, I guess it's one of those things I wish that you could say, oh yeah, there's one time that this happened and then I stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. But every day there's realizations that I'm still looking down on people that aren't doing as well as me. Yeah, And that's just, it's something that I'm sure a lot of people that are in a similar situation to me deal with. It's just recognizing that that's a problem and, and actively trying to reframe your thoughts away from that mm-hmm. towards more healthy, positive thoughts. Yeah. So I actually had an example of this really recently where mm-hmm. I kind of, I noticed the switch that I had made. Mm-hmm. So it was actually in a nightclub of all places. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to nightclubs and I used to look around and think these people are all just partying all day and night. Like I used to look around and judge people and be like, you're doing nothing. Hedonistic. Yeah. You're just partying every single day. Um, and I, I know the type of people so I could like, I could kind of, I would very heavily judge them because of that. Like I'm working really hard on my startup and I, this is like the one time out of the year that I'm in a nightclub because I'm here for my friend's party or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would judge every single person. 
And so I went more recently to a nightclub and I looked around and I thought, I, I don't feel like that anymore. Mm. Instead, I feel like we're all in this together. And I feel like everyone is just living their own life and just trying to get along. Mm-hmm. Like we are all connected, mm-hmm. um, which I know sounds like a really new age, but it's true. Like we are all suffering in this life together. And I kind of looked around and it just made me smile because I was like, okay, I, I understand this now. I'm not mm-hmm. looking down on these people they're all just like, if I was living their life, if I had their genes, I'd live their life, I'd be in that exactly that same experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, it just made me, it made me appreciate the experiences that I have and what has caused me to be to where I am. And it made me appreciate that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really nice experience because I'd, I I recognised that I had made that switch. Yeah. It made going to nightclubs a heck of a lot more fun because I yeah. wasn't judging people. So there was very tangible benefits for me to actually think like that. Yeah. Because I just went over to a group of people. I was like, right, we're all in this together. Let's just start dancing. Yeah. You know, it was more practically useful. That's the nicest kind of realisation when it's then followed up by a direct benefit of having that realisation because it drills it into your mind so much more than having to reframe your thoughts but not really seeing any obvious benefit of reframing that thought. Yeah. That's a really cool story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you have a quote? Uh, My quote? Um, No, I don't. (laughs) Because we are low on battery. We are very low on battery. Um, Okay, yeah, so my quote is is from Plato, um, and I think it's quite a contentious one. Mm-hmm. Um, so never discuss no never discourage anyone who continually makes progress, no matter how slow. It's from Plato. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So my response is that I disagree. Right. Because it reminds me of people that put out YouTube videos and they say, if this reaches just one person, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, yeah, okay, good. Be happy that it's reached one person, but still strive to reach a million people instead of one person. You know, don't just settle with the fact that you've helped one person. Strive for more. Strive to help more people. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you can, you should be happy that you're making progress because making some progress is better than none. I'm not saying, like, don't be happy that you're making progress, but I'm saying, yeah, be happy you're making progress and still try and make more progress. Mm-hmm. I guess it's interesting because the question's talking about discouraging other people, not yourself. If it comes to myself, I say, good job, I've made progress. Now, how can I make more progress quicker? But with other people, I guess discouraging other people, that's going to actually not make them grow quicker. It's going to make them grow smaller. Yeah. So I guess that's the question of how do people respond to criticism more than my philosophical rant. That I just <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, in the startup world, it's quite similar as well, right? So if it takes you a year to fail then that's, you shouldn't be bragging, like, it took me a year to fail. You should be saying, right, I failed within a week. Like, you need to fail as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's quite similar to that, is try and, like, go as fast as possible. Um, and I feel like, like, I, I disagree with even discouraging someone anyway, right? Yeah. Because um, I mean, that goes back to the point that we were just speaking about. But I'm, I think, like, discouraging myself, I need to be making sure that I'm going as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And that I, I am, you know reaching my goals as fast as possible. I'm focusing on the speed of things. Mm -hmm. I don't know, so maybe I disagree with Plato there. I mean, I I think what we're saying is when it comes to ourselves, we want to encourage ourselves to grow as quickly as possible. But when it comes to other people, if you say to someone, bad job for making progress, you need to be making progress quicker, Mm -hmm. they don't respond to that positively. And that's more likely to cause them to go back and to stop making progress than it is to cause them to accelerate making progress. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, when it comes to other people, encourage them for making progress, even if it's small. But when it comes to ourselves, encourage ourselves for making progress, even if it's small, but more encourage ourselves to make progress 
quicker. Yeah, that's super insightful. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Cool. So, let us know what segments you liked and let us know what segments you didn't like. And we should probably go meta and say what we're doing. Do you want to explain, like, the podcast? Is this going to go on for a long time or, or what's going on? Well, so we're doing, like, three episodes of this podcast and then we're going to step back and evaluate. Is there something um, we want to continue doing? If we want to continue doing it, then we want to commit to at least 100 episodes mm-hmm. and then reevaluate. Mm-hmm. So these three episodes are really, like, defining. Is it something we want to, like, see going forward mm-hmm. um, for the channel? Does this something we enjoy doing? Does it resonate with you guys? Um, it's both. And I guess we're trying to fail quickly. Yeah. By, yeah. Make, by saying that at the end of three, we're going we're gonna to we're reevaluate. Gonna, yeah. So I guess give us criticism, criticism as well as those two things. Let us know if you want to see more and how we can improve this. Mm-hmm. Because we want to make this sick if this is something that we keep doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Oh, fuck. What are we doing? I hit my ass on the corner of that. No. (laughs) Ah, my bum. My ass. You okay? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm a bit whitewashed as well. I mean... No, not whitewashed. A bit. If I go back, I think we have to be slightly forwards. What do you think? I think at least I have to be slightly forwards. If I go back here, I seem a bit... Okay. Okay. Right, yeah. that's fine. I think we're fine here. Right, let's shut the window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> coronavirus ruins podcasts. It does, isn't it? The, the that can be the title. Coronavirus <laughs> ruins podcasts. <laughs> okay, welcome to podcast number two. In this podcast, we've got a few... I should probably mention time. Yeah. We haven't got a name for it. 